Two weeks ago, Clara introduced a new sort of summer mini-series. We have mini-series on TV, and now we have one in church too. Anyway, this one's from the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs opens with these words. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction in wise dealing, that's not cards, um, righteousness, justice, and equity, to teach shrewdness to the simple, knowledge and prudence to the young. Let the wise also hear and gain learning, and the discerning acquire skill. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. In his opening comment, Solomon essentially says, hey, everybody, gather around, young and old, simple and wise. I want to share with you some of what God has taught me about wise wisdom. Now, every one of us can benefit from a little more wisdom, I think. I know I can. But wisdom is not the same thing as gaining more knowledge. We can gain knowledge that teaches us that eating certain foods or doing certain activities will diminish our health or our life. Right, Dr. Eddie? But wisdom is taking action on that knowledge. Clara defined uh, two weeks ago wisdom as skill in living. And I might add wisdom is skill in living well. Because every day of our lives, we're faced with choices. Choices of how to eat, what to wear, to go to sleep or to stay up. Choices to stay in bed or get up and go to work. Choices of how to respond to circumstances, situations, and people in our lives. Choices of what to say and maybe what not to say. Choices of what to do and maybe not what not, what not to do. But how do we make these many choices? Are our choices simply made based on our personal preferences? Most of the time. Are they made based on the way we've always done it? Very frequently. Are they based on how we were raised, the instructions of others? Or perhaps are they made based on what media or movies in our culture teaches us? Or are they made based on something more substantial? more long-standing, something proven, not over just a few years, but maybe over a few centuries or even over the course of human history. I think it's interesting. The statement, do not lie, sounds like really good advice. Probably every one of us were told by our parents, do not lie. Or we probably, if we're parents, told our children, do not lie. But is do not lie just good information Is it just sort of good advice? Is it for some occasions and not for others? How do we make those kinds of distinctions? Or is it possible that there's connection between not lying and living life well? But so all of us have knowledge. We have knowledge about lots of things, including many of us know a lot of information from the Bible. How many sermons have you heard in your life? How many Bible studies have you been a part of? How many scriptures have you read over your lifetime or even in the last few months? But the real question for us is, is the information that we have been given making a difference in our lives? Is it just some good advice or is it really timeless wisdom for living? That's influencing our choices, the decisions, the way we live, how we act, and how we relate with one another. This morning we're going to go look at a few verses in Proverbs 3. And these verses are extremely familiar to us. They are information that you know. But I hope that as we listen and reflect today, that these verses might come to us not just as good advice, or good information, but as wisdom for living out our lives differently. Before we head there, let's pray. Papa, we do thank you for a chance to be exposed to wisdom. 
I need wisdom for many of the decisions that I'm faced. And I ask that you would help each of us to hear you, Holy Spirit. What is it that you have for us today? And for those who are guests, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would meet and encounter them. That beyond uh, the words that they hear, that they will know that you are here and that you love them and that you wish to have relationship with them. Thank you for your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Audio? kind of faith Indiana Jones had, but uh, he did take his leap of faith. Uh, but of course, at the end there, we see him doing what we often do, right? Is there something we can add to this to maybe make sure it'll work next time? We're looking at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and restoring to your bones. This week, uh, two of our members were released from their jobs. Having had that happen to me a couple of times in my life, I understand a bit of their dismay and their concern and the opportunity for believing God for something that they cannot yet see. Not long ago, Claire and I began considering and praying about a decision related to our family. And genuinely, I was personally struggling with it. I was pretty negative about the situation. But then after having a, a really nice lunch with a couple of buddies, talking about and experiencing God together, I was driving back to work. I was reflecting again on this situation. And the words from this scripture came to my mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. And I realized in that moment, yep, there we go. I'm living life according to what I think will work, or what maybe is best. God may have something different for us, an alternative perhaps. You know, legitimately, a part of our human nature is the drive for self-preservation. You know, when we suspect our life or our desires are threatened, very often we're very quick 
and react strongly to protect ourselves. And in some situations, that's a really good thing to do, like when you're driving your car and somebody's moving into your lane where you are. But perhaps if it's someone speaking to you or a loved one and you're simply being feeling threatened, is it always the most appropriate to simply respond as if we're threatened? I believe that what we need is a resource beyond ourselves that can help us, particularly in times of trouble and difficulty. So let's look at these verses again and consider what the writer is saying. I've provided a handout. You could jot down a few things if you want, but the handout is essentially a tool for you to take with you. I've given a few questions, that some of which we might reflect on here, some of which we will not. And I might encourage you this week sometime, maybe this afternoon, take a minute and spend a few minutes with this so that it goes beyond just a few words of instruction you might hear this morning and perhaps into something that might help you this week. So again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So, wisdom, what is the author saying it is that we're supposed to trust in? God, I think that's what it says. But I find very often that my first response to difficulty is to figure out what I can do about it. How about you? And when I'm doing that, what is it I'm trusting in? My own thinking and awareness and experience and what I think is best for me. So after trying to deal with things ourselves, what are other things perhaps that we might trust in? Jobs. Can lean on that a little bit. Other people. These aren't necessarily bad, right? God provides people. He provides jobs. What are some other things we might trust in? Your own abilities. Your own experience. You know, I have struggled with health issues, and I know of numerous of you who have as well. And it's a, it's, there's a tendency to want to depend on our health, and sometimes it's not there to lean on. I suspect that most of us have had someone say to us in some difficult circumstance of our life, well, just trust in the Lord. Just trust in the Lord. And while that sounds right, how in the world do you just trust in the Lord when you've lost your job? Or when a loved one has just passed away? Or when you find yourself in trouble of some other kind. How in the world, since that's where we live, how in the world do we just trust in the Lord? Well, I want to give you five ideas, five, not steps, they're just reflections. But I know for me, I, the first thing I usually go to is start figuring it out. And I might encourage us, that perhaps maybe the first thing we need to learn to do is simply pause and connect with God. It doesn't really matter if it's a good situation or negative situation. Learning to simply pause and remember, oh yeah, God. Oh yeah, trust in the Lord. That's right. I'm not alone. A simple thing but I think something that can be very helpful, and particularly in difficult situations. You first hear the news about something. Can't really do much about it yet. You've just heard the news. But you can pause. You can connect with God. Another thing that we can do is invite God into the situation. Again, no rocket science here. But for some reason, God is inclined to our prayers. 
I don't get that real well all the time. But there is something about asking, about welcoming, inviting God. It's one of the most outstanding things of one of the healings of Jesus, again, is to me, is the blind man. Whether it's Bartimaeus or somebody else, there were a couple of different cases. But I think in both instances, these one was a single guy, one was a couple of guys. They're yelling. They're crying out. They're screaming, Jesus! Jesus, Son of David, have mercy! He gets, they get Jesus' attention, has them brought over, and Jesus immediately heals them, right? No. What did he do? What? Do you want? Give me a break, Jesus. I mean, really, I'm blind. Hello? What do you want? I might suggest that when a situation occurs in your life that's a little uncomfortable, a little challenging, a little confusing, that when you pause and connect with God, He might be on the other end of the phone saying, hello, hello. And we have the opportunity to invite him. Hey, God, I just got some difficult news. I could really use your help. I don't know why. I really don't. I don't think anybody really does. But God is always with us, and yet we welcome Him. We invite the Holy Spirit to come. I think that's for us, not for Him. I'm here. Hello. I'm right behind you. Oh, there you are, God. Been with you all the time. And then we're there. We're on the phone with God. We've invited Him in this situation. And he's saying, I'm so sorry that's happening. I'm with you. Then he's quiet. Uh, Our side again. How about if we ask God, is there anything I need to do? Do you have any suggestions for how I should respond to this? Can you imagine if we actually slowed down our circumstances enough? And I think a whole lot of times, they are for me. I've got time to take these few steps. They don't take very long. But I think this is a part of the, with our whole heart. I think it has a part with not leaning on our own understanding. I think it has a part of not being wise in our own eyes that these rest of these statements are going to reflect on. Who are we really trusting in? Are we, is trusting God just information? Is it just good advice for when we are absolutely at the end of ourselves? And it is. (laughs) But I think it may be good information even when we're not yet at the end of our own resources. I would highly encourage you to memorize this verse. This should be a verse that comes to your mind. Every day. I'm confident that if you would put some effort into the memorization process, the Holy Spirit will use that tool that's in your heart and mind and remind you of it, like he did for me. Another thing that we can do that I believe is a part of even trusting in God is seeking wise input from others who pray and hear God. We're in the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs speaks about wise counsel on numerous verses. I've selected one from chapter 12, verse 15. Not from the message, yet just as profound. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to advice. Claire and I have recently heard the term clearing counsel. I think that's what it's called. It's uh, an opportunity when we are needing support in a decision of some kind 
where perhaps we've already kind of gathered some information and issues and we're, we're bringing together a couple of wise people who can help us, who might be able to help us clear our own thinking to be a part of a process of helping. Now, I don't think we necessarily need to do that about what I'm going to wear in the morning. May not even need that about buying a car, although that one might be really good to get a clearing council on or a used one. I made a horrific mistake once, luckily only once, but it was bad. Would have been good to have a clearing council on that, but I think actually I didn't want a clearing council in that particular situation, but that's uh, my story, not yours. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to advice. God provides wise people. There are people around most of us that are available that could help. We have... Uh, a board of leaders in our church that um, are a part of the decision-making team. They are the decision-making team for most of the circumstances of our church. There's four couples. Um, Each one of those individuals is awesome. And besides that, we've probably got at least another dozen people that I could turn to in this church for support and for being a clearing council for us. And then a fifth one was somewhat sort of thinking about this idea, if we're struggling to trust God, it might be a good idea to try and figure out why or what are those struggles about. But again, trusting God might first say, Holy Spirit, can you help me understand why I'm struggling? Holy Spirit, what are these hindrances? What's, why this resistance that's in me? And be prepared to listen. Not rocket science, just a few ideas about how in the world to trust in God. Pause and connect with him. Invite him into our situation. Ask him if there's an action that he wishes for us to take. Uh, seeking wise input, a clearing counsel. And if we're struggling, ask him why. And maybe perhaps reflect on that for a while. And then go back to the first part again. Do not lean on your own understanding. When we trust in ourselves, we're leaning on or relying on our own understanding. Trusting in God requires sort of stepping back from our natural self-reliance, our natural self-preservation, and taking, I think, what feels to most of us as a more vulnerable position. Right? I mean, trusting in God, you know, who knows what he might ask me to do and where he wants me to step. I mean, it might be dangerous. I might not like it. It might not be comfortable. So for us, the idea of trusting in God feels precarious. But I think, in contrast, leaning on ourselves is the precarious response. And leaning on God is the much more solid. I I went looking for uh, an image of a rock that I thought was big enough that would be really hard for a person to move. This one looked pretty good. I have an impression that it's over in Great Britain someplace. I don't know. We see the size of the fence here, and that rock's a little ways away. I would say that leaning on that rock right there might support me. I don't know about that little tree, though. I, I think if I tried climbing that little tree there, it might not quite be designed for that. But maybe on the back side of that rock, you know, I could climb up it. There'd be support for me. So what's really solid in our lives? Is my understanding about life, are my opinions, my thoughts, the things that I have figured out, my dreams, are those the really solid things? Or are those the precarious things? And is perhaps trusting God the most solid thing that we can do. And you know, there's another aspect about our understanding, which is our desire 
or sometimes our demand to understand. There's a lot that happens in our lives that is difficult to understand. Some that seems intenable. The death of a child. The loss of a job. The end of a relationship. Is it not very common for us to want to know why? Why did that happen? Why, God, did you allow that to happen? Why me? Why did you take them from me? And I believe that the author is suggesting that leaning on our desperate desire for understanding may not also be the best choice. I think there are times where God does want to give us understanding, but sometimes it's not first. Sometimes first he looks for our response of faith. Because faith is the confident assurance of things hoped for. Confident assurance of something hoped for. That doesn't sound as solid as that rock. And evidence of things that I cannot yet see. Evidence means I've got proof. That's the definition of faith from Hebrews 11.1. Confident assurance of what is hoped for. It requires action. Faith, trusting, the word trust and believe are the same words. They're just just different uh, ways that they're used. There's only one word for faith and believe. And they both are an action we take, like Indiana. And sometimes we need to learn to trust him and go beyond what we can see to confident assurance. You know what? God is able. I have evidence that he has done this. He has come through for me in the past. I am going to walk this out as if it is so. Faith is taking action as if what God said is so. It may feel a little bit like Indiana's first step. But if we have evidence, if we've heard of evidence, we probably can take that step more confidently. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I was startled uh, looking at this and really caught by it. The phrase can be better understood with a little bit of explanation. The word ways like you can imagine, has the meaning of actions or activities, a journey or a path. But the word acknowledge is the Hebrew word yada, which means intimate knowing. It's the word we talk about in life and relational skills. Intimate knowing, yada. And a better translation might be, in whatever you do and wherever you go, Know and experience God deeply. Doesn't that sound a little different than in all your ways acknowledge him? You know, kind of acknowledge is kind of like, yeah, God, you're there, I know it. I'm not so sure about you right now. In all your ways, in all the things you do, in all the circumstances you face, know God deeply. Step into God. Lean into God. He's not going to give on you. He's not going to fall down. I think most of us know, but it's good to be reminded. Nowhere in the Bible are we promised freedom from pain and difficulty. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. In John 16:33, speaking to his disciples the night before his crucifixion, 
Guess what, guys and gals? Uh, you know, in the world, you're going to have some trouble. In fact, tomorrow you're going to have some trouble. And probably the next day, too. But be courageous. Experience peace. For I have conquered the world. And I'm not adequate in in, uh, the Greek these days to really know, but I wonder if the language there, cholera could have helped me. I wonder if it says, for I am conquering the world. You see, we live in a fallen world. And the cross is a stake in the ground in history. And the kingdom of God came in and through the life and ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus. But the enemy is not yet fully cast down. He's lost. Book of Revelation, you can go to the end of the book and it sort of talks about Satan the devil sort of running around for a little while, but then getting put into chains. He's bound. There's, there's questions about exactly how that works, but let's just step into the reality. The reality is bad things still happen. Evil is still present. Hardship still happens to good people. Jesus is conquering the world. Jesus is conquering our circumstances. Jesus is conquering us. Here on earth, you will experience affliction. I was startled to find years and years ago, I, you know, I've got this Bible tool called, you know, Word Search, and there's lots of, they're all now free and online and all that kind of stuff. We've paid hundreds and maybe thousands of dollars for all our little gadgets and pieces of it over the years. But I remember one time I was looking up the word affliction. I was going to be teaching on it or something. I wanted to do, find this. And I, there's this really cool, I can, I can click on a Greek word that I can find in a, in a reference. Um, and so I found the Greek word for affliction. And I clicked on that. And I wanted to see all the verses that use that word. Isn't that kind of fun? You know, I mean, it's one thing to sort of look up the English word affliction and look for them. But, you know, how about the Greek word that's used? So the word affliction is used in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is describing the wide and narrow path. Wide and easy is the way that leads to destruction. Many are they that go on it. But narrow, tight, afflicted is the way that leads to life. Now, I'm confident you don't really like hearing that because I didn't. The narrow path is afflicted? Yeah, it's got all kinds of stones around it and all kinds of rocks that's falling around. It's tight and narrow. It's a path that on one side is a precarious cliff. Why? Well, because we have an enemy. And he's not looking for any of us to just sort of dilly-dally along our way to heaven to relationship with God, to peace. So he's constantly throwing rocks and causing landslides. We face affliction, even as people following Jesus. Here on earth, you will experience affliction. We're going to have difficulty, hurt, and pain. But in all those things, if we will pause and connect with God, we'll know that he is with us. And what we're needing to learn how to do is to experience and know God deeply in our troubles. Not, hey God, get me out of this mess and then I'll be free to worship you and love you and hang out. Right now I'm a little busy with this trial, okay? If you help me out and get me out of this thing. No, 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 no. Jesus wants to be with us in the trial. Does he cause them? No, he doesn't need to cause. I don't believe God causes trials. I know it's a big old thing here. Don't walk out of the building. Very good, wonderful people that God does cause trials, I guess. But um, I don't think God needs any help to have us experience trial and difficulty. We, we make enough trouble all on our own. And if I don't get enough done, well, the enemy's out there to kind of throw in a few kicks and rocks, I think. 
These two statements that we have both end with an incredible um, picture of God's grace. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And next slide, Terry. He will make your paths straight. Now, there might be a rock or two, but... Might be a landslide, you've got to step around. He will make your paths straight. That statement about straight paths uh, is echoed throughout the Old Testament. It's an interesting phrase. It speaks of the Messiah coming. Make the uh, valleys plain. Make the mountains, um, however that one goes in Isaiah. Make that which is crooked straight. God's design for us is for us always to journey with him. While trusting God with our whole heart, leaning to not immediately rely on ourselves, leaning, learning to know God deeply in our circumstances. It's hard. It's difficult. But the outcome is well worth the process. Through, though our journey through life is going to entail ups and downs, mountains to go over and around, if we're trusting in God wholeheartedly, if we're experiencing him deeply, our journey can feel straight, linear, moving forward. If God is with us, the path will be smoother. We'll experience him with us in those situations. Profound, hard to language it, but God is wanting to make our paths solid when we walk with Him. The second part of these verses is really somewhat of a an echo. It's a parallel, but it adds additional thoughts and an additional outcome. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing for your body and restoring for your bones. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Perhaps the greatest challenge to trusting God is when we've been successful in life, particularly when it feels like we've done it on our own. I've done pretty well. Made it through some difficulties. I kind of got this thing. Maybe not. The Apostle Paul addresses this in Romans 12.3. He says, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. I think we could say to think rationally, and to rationally is to, is to remember that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And the trouble with thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought is that we might end up like these three wise guys. Oh, wise guy, eh? I've got a good mind to hand you a ticket. Oh, yeah? A wise guy, eh? Wise guy, huh? All right, wise guy. You lead the way. Oh, a wise guy, huh? I've said that line all my life. Wise guy, huh? Say it almost every Christmas when we bring out the, uh, the three wise men, the three stooges. Ah, it's the three wise guys. I didn't realize how many times those guys said it to that. That clip is actually five minutes long. I gave you 15 seconds. They're all of these linear links. Just a highlight to kind of wake you up, make sure you're still with me. But depending on ourself, relying on ourself, being wise in our own eyes, I think kind of makes us a little bit like one of the Three Stooges. So with all comedy aside, we need to remember that every good that comes to us comes from God. He may bring it through our own effort, but it's his hand picking up our hand. It's his gift that's coming down to us. There's an incredible passage. You know, the Israelites, you know, got out of Egypt with all those incredible expressions of God's presence and his glory. Can you imagine a cloud by day 
and a um, fire by night for 40 years leading you. You might get kind of comfortable believing God's going to be around forever. They've seen this. They've seen all the troubles they've had. They've seen God come through. But just before going to the promised land, after wandering in the wilderness, God speaks a warning through Moses to the people of Israel that I think is still a really good warning for us today. He said this, When you have eaten all you can eat, you know, at a buffet after lunch, you know, for lunch day, when you've eaten all you can eat and you've built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do not say to yourself, it's by my power and the might of my own hand that's gotten me this well. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Self-confidence, while I think a good thing in some say situations for sure, when mixed with pride and self-reliance, becomes a huge hindrance to trusting God wholeheartedly. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Lean on God. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I think we're all well aware that the, the phrase fear the Lord is hard for us to get. You know, in, in our day and age, when we think of the word fear, we're, we're thinking of fear in the face of danger, or fear in the face of pain, or fear in the face of loss. That's what that word mostly means in our culture in 2015. It's been meaning that for quite some time. However, the Hebrew word that was used at that time, many centuries ago, contains within it that meaning, but goes beyond that and in other applications means awe or reverence. It even includes the idea of wonder, amazement, mystery, astonishment, gratitude, admiration, even worship. I, I might suggest that fear the Lord could mean love and adore the magnificent God of love. We talked about knowing God deeply earlier. If we know God deeply, we're going to know that he is a magnificent God of love. If we reflect on the scriptures as a whole... God has evidenced himself time and time and time and time and time again as love. To love the loving God is what he's asking of us here. I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon. We did just a a few years ago. Or the Grand Tetons uh, is an incredible place. Beaches, I love beaches. Uh, How about a beautiful sunset? I I have the suspicion that if we could really see God, and we will, that to see God would be to see something so much more glorious. I like those places. I, I, I like the world that he's created. But they're bricks and broken glass compared to God. Now, I haven't seen him in that way, but I've experienced God. And God's better than a nice beach. I like nice beaches. I like nice mountains. But God's better than all those things. Creation points to him. When we see something beautiful like this, when we experience something good, it all points to God. So we we need to remember that we're being called to love the loving God. And then the word evil, another one of these where I'm clicking on my little Bible program, and uh, the word means evil, not, not, not changing anything there. But it also contains distress, misery, injury, and calamity. So the phrase turn away from evil may not be as much about you not sinning <laughs> as it is you turning away from disaster. 
To trust anything other than God, including ourselves, eventually will lead to disaster. Earlier this week, I was talking to my daughter, Tabitha, who now lives up in Denver. And we were both driving, talking hands-free. We were legal. And uh, as we were talking, all of a sudden, she sort of broke in and she said, Dad, the sky looks really weird ahead of me. It's, it's turning dark green and yellow, and the clouds are starting to circle. I said, Tabitha, you need to turn around and head the other way. That's what this verse is talking about. When it says to fear the Lord and turn away from evil, remember, love God and turn away from disaster. That's what we're to do. I like that. It's not as much about you sinning. Honestly, God took care of the sin problem a long time ago. He's really not that... Now, don't go run out and do all kinds of horrible things, but doggone it, he's not that concerned about sin. He wants relationship. He has created the freedom from sin for the opportunity for relationship, to trust in him, for us to experience his presence in our lives, to not have to live alone and to manage these challenges and difficulties we might face, these storms we might experience alone. But when we start walking down the path of living life the way that seems best to us, even if we're just doing the best we can, we might be journeying down disaster. And so, if we can pause as we face circumstances or situations and turn to God and connect with Him and invite Him into our circumstances and ask Him if He's got any ideas about what I can do or do I need to do anything, And if we're experiencing resistance to maybe say, hey, I'm struggling here. I'm afraid. I'm concerned you're going to let me down. Do you think that would bother God if you actually prayed that? God, I I know this sounds terrible, but I, I don't know that I can trust you. My goodness, Randy. You're not trusting me? Well, done with you. I think he says, yeah, I know. That's why I'm here. To help you learn that I'm trustworthy. God is not afraid of our negative thoughts. He's not afraid of our lack of trust. He's not afraid of our failures like we are. But he sure the heck wants relationship with us so we can go through it with him. In everything you do, in everywhere you go, know God deeply. I've given you these handouts and I've given you a few of the translations as I've suggested they could be done. I hope they'll help you. I hope they'll help you in Spanish as well. Let's pray. I think just keep your eyes closed or keep them open. But rather than me pray, I'm I'm sensing a leading that the Holy Spirit wanting to ask you What right now, what circumstance in your life right now do you need to trust God and you're struggling? Where is there a a circumstance, a situation, a relationship, a fear where you haven't yet connected with God And invited him into that situation. I'd like you just to pause and reflect on it. I think the Holy Spirit's asking you right now. Where's an area where you have not yet turned to me in this situation? 
And now I would just encourage you, and the Holy Spirit would encourage you, invite him in, just in your own heart and mind, simple prayer. God, I'm sorry. I need you. I've relied on myself. I've turned to my own understandings. I'm sorry. And I desperately need you. And now I just invite you to take a moment and ask him, God, what is there anything that you want to tell me about this situation? I believe the Holy Spirit is here. He wants to speak to you. Jesus spoke about his sheep hearing his voice. The Holy Spirit wants to speak. I think he wants to say things to you. Just pause for a minute and ask him, what do you want to say to me? Papa, I know that uh, way too many times I have relied on myself. I've, I've turned to my own understandings. I've not sought you in my circumstances as much as I should. I'm sorry. Would you help us to remember these words? Trust in the Lord with your whole heart and lean not on your own understanding. Would you help us in the circumstances of our lives not to be too haughty, to invite you into our circumstances and to welcome you to speak to us, to help us, to direct us and guide us. And might we able to grow and where we're struggling to be transparent with you because you know anyway and just sort of say what's so I'm struggling to trust you would you help me with my struggle and thank you for the promises that you will make our path straight and that living in relationship with you on that path will bring healing to our bodies and will restore the very marrow of our bones. Thank you for your promises that are always, always true. Help us to align with these passages, these truths, these instructions this wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming today. Glad that you were able to make it out. Um, we always here as a church, or almost always, uh, have a few folks that will be up here that would be happy to pray for you. If we've got some leaders that could come up, that'd be great. Um, otherwise, uh, you're dismissed. Don't forget next week, we're going to somebody's house up near Bernie-ish. Bring a bathing suit if you want to get wet. Food. Oh, you want to say something? No. Okay. Um, there's food to bring. We need to share and do all that kind of thing. So take your program home and look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.